happened for a long time. She experienced severe fears and frequent depression. Mood changes were abrupt and unpredictable. In our investigation, they state, we have learned that Miss Monroe had often expressed wishes to give up, to withdraw, and even to die. On more than one occasion in the past, when disappointed and depressed, she had made a suicide attempt using sedative drugs. On these occasions, she had called for help and had been rescued. From the information collected about the events of the evening of August the 4th, it is our opinion that the same pattern was repeated except for the rescue. On the basis of all the information obtained, it is our opinion that the case is a probable suicide.
betrayed herself as a dumb Diana. She was good at marketing. It's propaganda, basically. She marketed herself as one of those women. She knew it was only one of the dumb Diana. That's what they did with Jim Carrey. Um, and that's what she she came across as. Um, but all in all, I mean, I think that was a very poor choice and really wasn't her path. Um, so, yeah, I really wanted to talk about the death. I mean, I really wanted to enlighten her and everything on the show. I wanted to come back and talk about her death and some of the insane theories um, and some of the things that I've come across even as after I've, I recorded that episode. I actually read blog articles on this stuff and things back from very interesting things. So, to start off with, I want to go down the once again Some not so good. Um, some of them, I mean, you know, there was nothing relevant in the life of Ed Sullivan that I think I can even hold that thoughts about. Like the fact that the, the evidence that just isn't there, you know, and it doesn't exist. So, um, so Monroe spent her last day of her life Saturday, August fourth, at her Brenton home in Orange, and that was the factory ranch there. Uh, to discuss discuss the possibility of Playboy publishing nude photos taken of her on the set of Playboy Playboy Playhouse. Uh, she also received a message from a person who saw a stray pair of chocolate hands in a van saying to deliver Playboy at the house in the morning where her housekeeper, Gina Sherman, and her publisher, Pete Dunn, potential nude photos. So apparently they did. To which they had no, no. According to Newsom, they had no argument because Monroe had not slept well the night before. So at 4.30 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, or Pacific Daylight Time, on Saturday, August 4th, Monroe's psychiatrist, Ralph Greenson, arrived at the house to conduct a therapy session with Ed and Diana. Before Greenson left at 11.57, he asked Monroe to stay overnight in Pete Monroe's company at approximately 7.30 p.m. Monroe received a call from Georgia Montour Jr., with whom she was very close, considered her husband's father. Um, he told her they, he had broken up with a girlfriend she did not like, and that they both had nothing in common and they were compatible. Around 7.30, 7.45, she talked to Greenson and found the news about a breakup had been made by Ed's girlfriend. Monroe retired to her bedroom at approximately 8 p.m. She received a call from actor P.J. Wofford, who was hoping to persuade her to attend a party that night. Wofford became alarmed because Monroe was showing all signs of being under the influence of drugs. She told him to say goodbye to Pete, say goodbye to the president, and say goodbye to herself because Monroe was dead. So there's a lot of arguments that go back and forth on what Jim and Pete. Um, because Pat Newcomb was supposed to be the president, but there was also rumors that Before drifting off, um, unable to reach Monroe, Wofford called his agent Martin Evans, who was the person who talked to Ralph Greenson. Uh, Monroe was called by Monroe's lawyer, uh, Mr. Lee, and called Monroe's house agent Ed Diana and Ralph Greenson himself. Uh, once again, we're going on the official story here. At approximately 3.30 a.m. on Sunday, August 5th, Monroe woke up thinking that something was wrong and saw a light in her room on the bedroom door. She then opened the door and saw it and began to yell. Monroe tried to find Greenson, and he advised her to get up to her window and tell Monroe that her boyfriend was dead, put her back to sleep, and take her to her room. Greenson arrived shortly thereafter. He entered the room by breaking the window and found Monroe dead. He called her officials to get to Victor, Herman Engelberg, who arrived at the house around 3.50 a.m. and officially confirmed the death at 3.25 a.m. Then Monroe died again at about 1.20. So that's the official story. And that's what they went with. Um, and that's where everything starts to debilitate. Because there's a lot of evidence that that official story doesn't fit. 
owner, Thomas Noguchi, conducted an animal autopsy on the same day that she was found dead. Um, and Thomas Noguchi is a famous Ohio zoologist. He's a friend. Um, he was one of the pioneers for animal autopsy in California. Um, he did um, the autopsy on the wood oysters, the live wood um, oysters, and his family in late decades were changed, changed by his successor. Um, he did the autopsy on Bobby Kennedy. This is another animal I know goes on his chain because that's another fascinating one because Noguchi paired back up with the Bobby Kennedy because in his finding, um, the way that Bobby Kennedy died, the gunshot wound from where he said the gunshot wound came from doesn't fit the official story. So Noguchi is kind of a, an interesting character. He pops up in quite a few things. And he's actually, like I said, he is, he's done, you know, autopsies where people either had to um, had to kill Noguchi or burn him. So um, John Belushi. He's done qu- quite a bit. He was the, the Los Angeles County Coroner um, and for many years, um, not too often what he has said in the Bobby Kennedy case, um, he was actually fired um, for being, <laughs> of all things, racist. So, um, But then his family sued and he sued and got hired back because he sued so much and fired him for not doing a good enough job in that case. Um, it's, a, it's a huge, his story is kind of interesting, so I... I don't think I'm going to spend the entire episode, but when it's when I find it, I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, so, yeah, he did the autopsy on the same day she was found dead, Sunday, August 5th. The Los Angeles County Coroner's Office received an inquest by psychiatrist Raymond Barbaro, Robert Littman, and Raymond Palatnik from the Los Angeles Suicide Prevention Center, who interviewed and noted doctors and psychiatrists in Arizona and escaped. Based on the advanced state of Raymond Morris, at the time her body was discovered, it was found she had died between 1990 and 1994. The toxicological analysis confirmed her cause of death was acute resistance to medication. She had 8 milligrams of chlorhydrate and 8.4 milligrams of hydroquinone. Pentobarbital, also known as Mandrakel, in her blood and a total of 13 milligrams of pentobarbital in her liver. Uh, police found extra vials in Los Lesbian's last name Los Angeles Jail Williams and Frank Lee's body the next day. Um, so yeah, so that's what they came back with. Um, you heard the, the, the statement, or you read the statement in the last episode of what the plaintiff, um, what the, the uh, hearing doctor said, and that finding judgment was a probable suicide. Now part of the problem is, and I mentioned that last week, a probable suicide is a big issue because not a typical way they say it. Usually it's either suicide or independent. They don't say probable. Very rarely do they say probable. And I keep finding reports, and there's some audio that I, I couldn't find, and I've had on a couple other episodes, other other things I've listened to, and you know, YouTube things I've watched, um, where there was a gentleman who makes a comment about a psychiatrist or a, a medical examiner from somewhere else who said that one of his units was maybe similar the size of that case similar to a probable suicide. So that was something that caused a lot of controversy just because they say probable and it's so vague and it's just the later argument that a lot of people have and why they put probable suicide because they, they, they there are certain boxes they have to check and one of those boxes is suicide or independent. But if you put independent, that means it is not a 
this was not to be investigated because if it was investigated, I think there's a lot of high powered people that would have been arrested. Yeah. And I think that's why it was hard to escape and everybody wanted me to survive. I think they had doubts. The thing is that it was a subject already that we were facing. Um, yeah. So that's why that came back to haunt the family. So that that's the suicide rate in this area doubled from when Jeff left the group. Uh, circulation, circulation rate among finished papers expanded by months and Chicago PD reported they had received hundreds of phone calls from members of the public requesting information about this case. Um, French artist Jean Cocteau came out with the death should serve as a further lesson for all those who seek occupation such as spying on their families and friends. Francois Cruz's murderer being told that the group victim was Ari here and some fake one. And Best Shot director Joshua Logan said she had most unappreciated people in the world. Um, her funeral was on August 8th at the Westwood Village Memorial Park Cemetery where her boss Frank Amarillo and Jeff Cocteau died on the same day. The service was honored by the former husband Jed Amarillo and his wife Cynthia Barnes Cocteau. Suicides touched my life at different times, and I have been affected by uh, her suicide. Um, 
said, we talked a little bit about his thoughts of opening up on the Hutch and Lou Israel link. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of things recently um, about, you know, people going back and looking into what, you know, what happened. Um, one of the big things is, is that the first officer was on scene. Um, his name is Jack Kinney.
because there's a few things and I know some people are probably thinking oh well that, that just that happened that is part of the problem with Iran to this point is there's a lot of a lot of he said she said and part of that also comes back to the official police report from that night is missing I know they did an autopsy there's parts of that missing too and Noguchi did very much to try and make sure because he knew this was going to be a high uh, high a case people are going to look at carefully so he made sure um, that when he did it that he made sure that you know he tried to make do everything very very to the point to make sure that there'd be no questions so he you know took samples of you know everything so that he could determine how the medicine was taken. Because part of it they know too, there was no pills. There was nothing in their digestive system. There was no puke. Usually if you overdose, normally you puke, but there was no puke. There was none of that normal stuff that would come with an overdose like that. Um, so he took very good samples, supposedly, um, and sent them to the toxicology lab. And what he got back was basically he got back what was in the urine of the the toxicology he's like oh where's the rest of it and he's like oh he determined that he didn't have to lie to the rest of it so he didn't include it with anything so that brings another question as well if he'd asked for those reports why didn't he do it you know and then it comes back to did somebody who was high up say we don't want this investigated we need it to be we need this to be a suicide I said in the last episode, that's where I am. That somebody, they needed this to be a suicide because it got investigated. Who, who is going to get in trouble if it got investigated? And that's where all, all the theories start coming out of it. Of who was going to get in trouble? Who had, who had something to hide? Some other things Clemens said, so there was some footage, you know, um, from an interview from years later uh, where uh, Clemens described her body had been placed on the bed um, she was discovered in, that it looked placed, that it looked like it was staged almost to look like later pictures from her nude photo shoot that she'd done years before. Um, and he said he had given her no cups, even, told her he didn't feel like it really had penetrating buzzes or perhaps kill herself. So there is a photograph that shows that cup there. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that Maya says that are hard to that, that can be easily discounted. Um, and his credibility is brought into question because he was forced to resign from the LAPD in the 60s after he and two other former Republican senators and speaker had been had been involved when he was just in so yeah, so it, it's it's really tough, you know, um, on what really happened. There's a lot of things that you know are very are, are, are easy to discredit, but at the same time, they're they're easy to discredit almost continuously. So it, it's kind of one of those things that some of them are like, well, what's going to what's the cover up? There's so much in this that shows that there's a cover up. I've proven very believe there's a cover up here. It's just an argument now of what 
so there is some things to like I said one of my reasons you know is that uh, the doctors they they screwed up and they gave her medicine that killed her because they didn't realize what the other one was giving giving her even though supposedly they were supposed to they were in communication and talked about her you know what she was being prescribed so it just wouldn't happen but somehow it did Because the two drugs that are in the system do not react well to each other. One of them, they don't react well, and they seem like they're typically easier to have in each other. So one of the other things that came into things was Ralph Jameson, and after um, he is the one who said that he died by, um, that he may have been the one who did it. Um, supposedly, he went to work for UCLA, which I find quite surprising that's true. There is a um, a private investigator named Aldridge, I think it's Bucky, something like that, something Aldridge. Um, she's also in a petition trying to get you know the them to change it from probable suicide to a homicide, and you know to um, she tried to get them to talk to you know the two people that are still alive that would have been there, and she believes that LAPD Sergeant Marvin Allen um, was there with her hand, so anything with her and she died, um, from things that she found, which there is evidence that could have been her killer. Um, and there's a couple other things, so she made some claims, but one of the claims that she makes is that she went to UCLA um, to get some boxes of old files that Jameson had. they have information on there about Marilyn Monroe, but it said that they were supposed to be sealed until 2049. They can't be opened until 2049. Um, and she's trying to get those opened um, to see what's in there, because she thinks there's evidence in those files that shows that Jameson did it. Um, which, I don't know, that sounds really freaking weird to me. Why, if you're the one who, who screwed up and killed one of the most iconic actresses ever. If you had evidence of it, why would you put it in a box and mark, don't open until 2049? I would burn that shit. That stuff would be at the bottom of the damn Pacific. Not in a box in UCLA's, you know, storage saying don't open this until 2039. That one's a little freaking weird. I think it's just some probably random stupid shit in there. But that's the sad part is, at the same time, I really want to know what's in there. Because I don't think it's going to be anything good. Because, like I said, it just, I'm, for me, I'm a logical person. If I'm going to put something that, you know, evidence that I killed somebody, that evidence is gone. I'm going to dexter that shit and it's buried at the freaking bottom of the ocean. I'm not going to put it in a box and just mark on it, don't open until 2039. That just sounds freaking weird to me sometimes. Um, but who knows? There, there's been weirder shit out there. So, but that's what her claim is, that there's something in there that she thinks that there's something in there that claims that her thought is supposedly, and this is where it gets, it's hard to get into. Because part of the problem is, is there, there's a, a detective named Opal who was hired by, I believe, 
this is one of the things that drives me crazy because if there was four wiretaps where the fuck are they how do we not have them supposedly the fbi or possibly the cia or like i said anyone who saw some james harden didn't have them there's so many other people that we don't know who are involved in this thing um which there is documents that show that there there was you know stuff sent to JFK from the FBI director um, saying that she was a risk um, because of stuff that her mother had said to her um, or that Bobby may have said to her. Um, so yeah, there was things that said she was a risk, but where are those tapes? Supposedly they're back in Michigan, and supposedly some people heard them at some point they proved that Bobby Kennedy was there on that day and talking to her, asking to give her her book for the diary. Um, but that's the only real thing. And there's a couple of people that say there's also, you know, some of the neighbors and stuff that they saw Penny Lawford and Bobby Kennedy going to her house later that evening. There's also a supposedly a, a police officer who's never reported this, but he came years later and said, oh, yeah, I pulled over a car that was speeding down the road at, at I think like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night in, you know, Brentwood, um, and Penny Lawford was driving and Bobby Kennedy was in the back seat. So, you know, there's a lot of those he said, she said, a lot of weird evidence that points that Bobby was there. I do think Bobby was there, um, but he was there at least that night at some point, but there's a, a thought over there th- for a little red book that she was overdosed either on purpose or accidentally and then Penny Lawford died. Um, also, there's another proof and evidence that has come out that sh- there was an ambulance called at 10.30 that night. Um, and you know it showed up that supposedly according to one of the ambulance drivers years later sent an adrenaline shot to the heart and sent her straight up. Whether it was on purpose or not, they think it was supposed to be a hot shot, but the ambulance drivers, a lot of people think that it may have just been the drug that killed her. Um, even though there was no you know, needle mark found you know, by the autopsy, but sometimes those are missed. Um, but supposedly from what they said too, when he had the stab her in the chest, he hit a rib and it broke and you could hear one of her also something that came out in the autopsy report. But if they're not looking for that, you wouldn't see that. Um, so that's another weird that's another weird story there where they think that that drink was in it that night. Um, with Bobby there, that Bobby witnessed St. Peter's 
from the supposed uh, poor condition rating that are being interviewed when sent home and they should never see it like they have before. Um, and then anyway, she heard of seeing the body because she showed up after the police were there and the police had the body and she wanted to know the date they found the body. And then anyway, she could have seen the dead body and it showed up right before the police were there. So that's another whole thing. I mean, she supposedly interviewed one of the forensics in Ferndale and a couple other people have made comments where they said they have not seen the body either and they don't know when they found it right before the police. So, I don't know. That's how the police work. Um, so that's a couple weird things there. So, a couple things I know I'm kind of you know rambling a little bit, I think, but there's just uh, there's so many weird, weird conspiracies that go with this. And I know I mentioned some of them in the last episode. Um, but a lot of it probably, you know, who knows? Because a lot of, like I said, I've never used it. But, you know, a lot of the autopsies and stuff, you know, the police called me first. We only had her living at her dad. We didn't have any of the other interviews. We didn't have anything that would show us how that, you know, how it was administered or how long it was in her blood. There's some people that think that, you know, because of how many controls they give you, that show that it's that continuous. Like, because it definitely shows that she was given it twice, that it had to have gone through the police system. They said, you know, that it would have been a slower, you know, drift off, which would have given her vital signs and, you know, absorbed everything. Like, I don't know. I still think there would be something in there. If she took as many of those facts, as quick as they found them, then you would think, and I said it again, you would just keep looking throughout the body, which is possible too. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, she was having a bad day. Who knows? There's some bad things going on with this guy. So there could be, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of questions that they are still unanswered with this. Um, so here's a couple quick things um, of different ideas that people have. So Frank Sinatra, um, he believed that she had been murdered. Um, so in a, in his memoir, In his memoir, a one of his managers, the store manager, Tony Ipidesano, um, said Frank believed she was murdered. Um, he thought she was murdered. Um, I don't think it says in here. I just remember Dave Grohl and you know um, affirm she was murdered, but affirm that Ipidesano, the movie star and singer, had close friends, but they were not murdered which a lot of people don't believe that. Um, according to Ipidesano, Frank felt she was too clever, too fragile for him to stop loving the woman he fell in love with. Um, I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think Frank Sinatra was a perfect match at all. I mean, he's the dude, and I think if she said, hey, like, I want to fuck you, um, that that's just bad. I think it would be just as bad as what was happening here. Um, that was one issue, too, you know, he did think that he had an excellent result. Travis Kalmuda Kalmu Lawrence, who said that she had um, half lungs oxygen and half lung removal. Um, the weekend before her death, um, he Frank Sinatra had passed away as well. So there's a lot of questions on what happened in there. So um, that's one of the things. And also there's a lot of issues there with There was the guy, an actor that was in The Godfather, um, who 
supposedly was also um, actually named as the Baron. He was named as the Baron of Arkham. Lionel Russo um, was the guy that was in The Godfather who was also considered a wizard for the mob in Hollywood. Um, so, yeah. So, he was considered to rob or uh, mob a guy to get his stuff. Um, and then he basically, he claimed um, there's a lot of people that claim to have, but he claims to have had an affair with Lady Marmot. Um, but he also claims to have actually really done it. Um, Russo showed photo of himself in the office of Dr. Fate upon upon the Baron, um, which I, as I said, was just a reference from the Godfather of Lady Gaga, Alfonso Sinatra, um, showed that he killed the Brutus, and she was found dead in Los Angeles with bullets in her left eye. Um, and the man behind the camera that took it was found by, shot or found by Lionel Russo as well. According to Russo, team members of the mob had convened with Baron Marmot and actually said in a trap for President Marmot's hand in his dead body, and he was well on the way to killing him. They wanted to film the convict in a tea cell with Marmot, said Russo, adding that the mob anticipated using the footage to attack the victorious president and Baron Kiva when they filmed in a casino for evening showings. The plan was scuttled after shots from the Baron's camera. Um, as Russo tells it, Marmot fell in with the mob after an affair broke out two years before when Baron and Kiva planned on eating at the Godfather Casino after Marmot left. The guy known as the Doctor proposed to her and Russo and Gus, who had done major hits for Marmot, and also owned a home near Marmot's pubic region, said Russo. The guy was an underground agent and also killed the Baron. Still insisted that it wasn't the mob that killed Marmot, Marmot but rather Baron and Kiva, who both were found with the Baron's pubic region after Marmot and Gus left. It had to be Gus, said Russo, only after Gus grabbed the microphone and Russo said to him, because it felt horrible because it makes him seem like a sucker, but damn. So that's what Russo thinks. So, and the, the thing is, is there's actually quite a bit of uh, online evidence that there is some audio that they can kind of show that pretty much the mob thinks that they did kill Marmot and Baron Russo after Baron died and Marmot So, yeah, pretty impartial there. Um, and it didn't really work. Which a lot of people actually credit with why Marmot pretty much done with all of this. Um, at that point, there was a lot of people who looked at this scene as being a comedy. He had done the fence. He had done Marmot. That's also part of the reason a lot of people don't like the Marmot in the Marmot films from the Frank Castle days. Um, I think they were still friends, but I don't think they were the hot ones that Russo thought they were. I think Russo could blend Frank, but not go so hardcore with Baron, and blend Frank Baron and Jerry. So, um, there's also evidence that Marilyn Monroe told Joe DiMaggio to make the Marlboro Inn. Um, like I said, they tried to make San Francisco in 1954. Um, there were rumors that their divorce would result in Tobago returning to the Godfather of Marmot fame, but immediately the split happened because of Marmot's ex girlfriend. Joe DiMaggio had a son, Joe Jr., from his first marriage to actress Marilyn Monroe, but Marilyn's family was angry with Joe and divorced with Baron DiMaggio, who was a member of the family. 
Air Commission of the United States Coast Guard has determined that Mary Hill Southern Jimmy and Christy Lane were named as former Mesa County Engineers and Christy Lane was responsible for making such appointments to secure loans from the Bank of Life Insurance. From History.com, Mesa Life Insurance Loan Officers Report from April 12th. Um, there's a lot of stories about how they took over. He showed up and basically said, I'm in charge of Port Harcourt Airport and told them to do nothing. And just let this go. Um, like I said, I feel like he really did this for her. Um, he felt that she was very vulnerable, very sweet, and he was willing to protect her from the bullies here. Um, Margaret Fair could have thrown her life so much back in the way she did that she would have quit going through college and she would have found a new one. Mary was too afraid to trust her or to be kind. She knew Amy's bright face, Jimmy's cold, and her courage was not sufficient. Um, yeah. Um, most death at age 36, and I'll explain personal pursuit is something that also affects us. It isn't one of the problems inside, but placed upon it and reactions to torture and murder are so many stories that do not end. A whole lot of pain, pain to be loaded full of pain and it is incredibly draining for me to bear and I always thought I would end up either getting away with it or hundreds of years in prison. I always knew her presence but I didn't want to show her loosening the torture and I wanted to keep her in jail. I'll go to the grave regretting and being there and wishing I could make her happy. The day 12 star star scene from the books stars Margaret Lane beginning her reign as Amy. Her siblings Amy and Jimmy appear and she weeps and tell her friends that she's going to be killed. Her last dying words were prepared with me. I finally get to see you again. Like I said, Joe is kind of a bone in this, but at the same time, I am very bothered by what is going on. He was. He was the one to get killed in this scene. Alright, here's another good one. Dying 78-year-old CIA agent Seventy-eight-year-old retired officer with the CIA Lane Hodges has been received at the Dallas Naval Base. She claims to commit a thirty-seven assassination attempt in the years between nineteen fifty-nine and nineteen seventy-eight, including the actress Amy Lane in her life. That was so creepy and gross. I don't have any like gross horror type of powers, but like that is she gets me. She's gruesome. Um, and amongst his many confessions, he admits to being a member of five CIA agents whose sole task is to carry out assassinations. He also admits one assassination from one member of Lane Watson Lane Monroe who was killed not just because of the power that Lane was given, but also because she slept with Fidel Castro. That's not odd. I've never heard that one yet. Apparently this is better than Castro too. Which hey, whatever. You know, I mean he's pretty much the making her a mockery of his structure. Hodge takes down Jimmy Gross, who claims to carry out 37 assassinations in just under four years. Hodge is a CIA officer trained in law enforcement and has executed the security teams who refuse to give Amy the litany of unknown origins, including assassin Lane Hodges, who appears to have killed Amy's aunt. He trains as a therapist and works with ex- experts in life insurance and other methods known as deeper, deeper dive surgery to make Amy crazy. Despite his old age, Hodges has managed to crawl into assassination attempts for the CIA. He's opened them up with a knife that stabbed him on American soil, and then on his extended family life story of both Amy and Jimmy. He also claims to be a timeline for assassinations that began ages back in 59 in 1942, when the CIA had Amy 
they did say that they were uh, bruising and bleeding and suffering from Something weird. Something happened. There's evidence out there. Someone knows. 